0: Hello, you are tuned in to Almost 30 Podcasts. Welcome to the show. I'm Lindsay and this is Krista.
1: We are best friends. We are close business partners. We've lived
0: many lives. Many, many lifetimes together. We've been husband and wife. We've been been all
1: the things mother, mother, daughter,
0: father, father, daughter. (laughs) Um, We're so glad to have you here. You don't need to be almost 30 to listen. That is just when we started the show, a very pivotal and important time in your life. But if you are almost 30, Welcome. We're here to support you in that evolution, but really, we're here to support you in any evolution in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, evolutions keep on coming. They keep coming, <laughs> dude. I want them to stop. Can we just chill? Literally, I want. Holy it's moly! So weird. It's like you want change, but then change happens, and you're like, no, I know. Because if you, because if you had anybody, hey, imagine your dream life. What is your dream mm-hmm. life? What is your dream experience? You know, the dream experience most of the time would be different than where the person is living and then you're like okay well change has to happen for that and you're like what i know change literally yeah what is it about the frequency of change it's because i just think sometimes in life i'm just like does it ever is there ever no change Mm -hmm. but then you're bored and like the nature of who we are is literally always changing yeah our cells
1: turn over like we're a different
0: every seven years you have completely new cells isn't that weird yeah what was the one thing I was thinking about recently was like the oscillation between overwhelm and boredom. Cause sometimes I'll be like, I'm bored. And I'm like, okay, I just it's the absence of overwhelm. Mm. And I think it's a lot of us are in that position where it's sometimes we feel uninspired or bored in life, but we're so used to feeling burnt out or overwhelmed. Yeah. That the other opposite feeling then is boredom. Yeah. But it's like, where can you find the happy medium of like satisfaction and peace?
1: It's weird. Like I have I don't. Like, I don't experience boredom.
0: Mm.
1: Not bragging. But I'm like, yeah. like it's a weird thing where it's I like... I could see
0: that about you, though. Do
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Because I'm cool and doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
0: <that's> pretty dope. <laughs> <That's> pretty dope. <laughs> but I guess what is... <laughs> you just like look at this the wall... <laughs> You know, it's really beautiful I, I kind of enjoy it
1: but <laughs> and true. sean's so not like like he's I he know. loves doing yeah same um he, d- he does be he's he's been better about being i think because i'm just being yeah a lot of the time. straight uh, no but the boredom thing is is interesting
0: when was the last time you felt boredom i think i say i feel bored but i'm not in- it's almost like not comfortable just yeah being I think I say I feel bored, but I'm not in the, the energy of being bored because the energy of being bored is like, it's interesting. I'm like, I wonder if that's a high school inner Krista yes. teen thing. When I when I hear bored, I think teen. Teen. When I'm watching Price is Right during summer, <laughs> summer break. You're like, this summer is so boring. I literally am like, oh, this is boring. I'm going to smoke weed out of a pop can. <gasps> that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, but just that it's such a weird to feel bored. So I guess it's like when I feel bored, I think mine's more like looking for some novelty. Yes. The newness. I love newness. newness. We Mm -hmm. love new. But then newness is change. Mm -hmm. More change. Yeah. I remember, what's the one, there's a song where it says, maybe it's Landside. And it's like, you're not the only one afraid of change. (laughs) I remember my boyfriend dumped me freshman year of college. And I used to be like, you're not the only one afraid of change. <laughs> that was your away message? It was my everything. It was like, I'm, It was. it's so simple too. It's like, I too am afraid of change. I just got dumped. <laughs> it was like a very literal quote that I was like, damn, I
1: feel this. That's actually kind of a deep interpretation,
0: right? Yeah. What? What is?
1: He wants change, so he's breaking up with you.
0: Oh, I actually I didn't oh, you even broke, go that deep. No, just oh. me. I'm like, I'm afraid of change. I got dumped. <laughs> like, no, no. Didn't think about him at all. Just thought about myself being like, um, change is happening. I'm at college. I'm in a dorm. Isn't it so, nobody taught, that's why at one point
1: we were going to go on like a college tour because of that like severe change that happens yeah. right after high school. You're mm-hmm. literally like
0: mm-hmm.
1: going off on your own, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. But then you're living in this weird cement box that they're like, ooh, cool. You live on your own
0: now. But you're literally kind of in a prison cell type situation. Prison (laughs) prison cell eating dog shit. And like they're like, welcome to the real world. You're like, this isn't real for me. And it feels like I kind of was like a container of stunting growth. Totally. I don't know many people that completely like excelled in their life and grew and flourished in college. Teach me how to do my taxes. Yeah.
1: Help me to optimize my interpersonal relationships. Yes. Emotional.
0: Have one class be therapy. Yeah. A hundred (laughs) percent. One class be. Help me understand my family. Yes. Help me understand who I am. Mm -hmm. Teach me all the things you learn at Almost 30. Tell me why I'm binge drinking all weekend. (laughs) Honestly. Honestly wild time. Yeah, that's a whole container. It's
1: a wild time. Um, But yeah, a lot of changes, transition. I'm getting married. So it's, yeah, it's been a really fun, exciting, just flow. Flow time, to be honest. We decided um, in June, like top of June, to do it at the end of the summer. I just felt really like, just kind of dropped in for the both of us. We're like, let's do it. And so the planning has had to happen quite quickly, which has allowed zero overthinking or second guessing, which has been really nice. It's like I make a decision and then I don't look back. Mm -hmm. So it's very rarely that I'm going back and being like, well, maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. And it's also the speed of it has not allowed me to pick up on, on too many of other people's opinions, like mainly just people that are like, wait, so you're this is non-traditional. Like, what are we doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. I haven't really heard it. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's happening, but I haven't really like picked up on it or ha- allowed myself to, which just felt really good. And yeah, just being in like the excitement with Sean and like, so we're doing two days. We're doing like kind of a small ceremony, intimate thing on Friday. And then Saturday is a bigger party. And I'm letting him really do Saturday, like plan it. Do all the things. And we're like conferring with each other on both days because I want him to be a part of the Friday planning and same with Saturday with me. But he's taking the lead Saturday, I'm taking the lead Friday, which has felt good to just kind of, yeah, like share that responsibility and also me get excited that, like, okay, like you created this on Saturday. It feels really good. I'm really excited to. Be married. I don't know obviously what it's going to feel like, but I feel as though we've grown, which you'll perhaps, you know, feel and certainly hear us talk about like how much we've grown in the last two years, especially. I've had these moments lately where I'm like, and I've said it out loud to him where I'm like, yo, two years ago, I would have been crying. Like, you know, like just moments where I've really seen how far I've come when it comes to communicating, when it comes to really understanding what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it and being able to speak to it and also trusting that he will love me no matter what, but also like hold space for me to be that even the week leading up to me coming here to record together. I was sick. I was feeling, I, I was sick. I had my period. I had some weird skin thing happen. I was just like all sorts of just like off. And I had this feeling of like, oh man, I'm like not, I'm not like the best for my partner this week. Like this kind of blows. But, and I told him that I was like, I'm just kind of bummed. Like I just don't feel like myself and whatever, whatever. And just in our conversation, I was like, He reminded me in so many words, just like, we're both going to be like going through seasons, weeks, days, whatever of our lives where we're like, we're going to be off. We're not going to be feeling ourselves. And that's okay. And we love each other through it. And until you actually experience it, I didn't really get it. Do you know what I mean? When you like actually experience someone like loving you no matter what, you're like, what? (laughs) This is kind of crazy. So Just so many moments like that lately where I feel like I just understand more deeply what a partnership is, what commitment feels like, and yeah, I'm just kind of loving being in it Mm -hmm. right now with him. And to celebrate with all of our friends and family is going to be...
0: It's going to be so good. I
1: can't even wrap my head around it right now. It's going to be really good. The style,
0: aesthetic, and decor is fucking so good too.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's It's just city. It's like city vibe. And the thing about a wedding is like, and me, is I could have gotten married in the middle of nowhere. I could have gotten married on a farm. I could have gotten married fucking in Jamaica, Mm -hmm. you know, like just so many places where Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. But I really, I think for this, I was like, it's so powerful to me like We met in New York in the middle of such a crazy, it's a crazy city, a lot of just, you know, transitions in our own lives that we kind of cross paths. And then we came back together in New York and reconnected. So I'm excited to just kind of like vibe with Mm -hmm. New York's energy and just create like a really fun, memorable party.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for this. You guys do so much work together and are so open and just Mm. communicative and it's been so beautiful to see how much you've grown it's been crazy yeah thank you
1: and so I also think that I was operating in any other way in every other relationship
0: (laughs) that's how it is you know what I mean yeah that's how it is though I think I was talking to someone I'm like god I wish I could apologize to my exes that would be like my dream wouldn't that be nice that's my dream just an apology lunch yeah just literally like one by one Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry I was yeah. really manipulating you. Yeah, you know what I, mean? like, <laughs> I was like… Just because when you become conscious and you take responsibility 100%. and accountability, you're like, oh, 100%. I'm not the bad guy. You're not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. Yeah, I know. And just like thanking them too because it's like…
1: Yes, 100%. If I think back, I'm like, Wow. I learned that with that person. Yes, 100%. 100%. This is why we were together. This is why we Mm -hmm. broke up. It just all makes sense. We recorded an episode about two years ago when we were here in LA in 2020. And so this is kind of like a catching up of, you know, the work that we've done together and individually and just leading up to our engagement, the period of being engaged and then
0: planning. Mm -hmm. Planning the wedding, baby. Can't wait! I can't wait! Can't wait! It's gonna be such a good one. So you can listen to the other one. Search Sean Lindsay, almost thirty. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we'll link it in the show notes. It's such a beautiful one. I'm so excited for your wedding. Thank you you. so much. I I love you guys so much. Cannot wait! And thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you for being a part of our lives and allowing us the space to share so openly and vulnerably. We're hopeful that sharing our lives and sharing what we're going through and what we're growing through is helpful and is reflective of maybe something that you're going to go through or you are yeah. going through. You can learn more about Almost 30, almost30.com. You can go to Lindsay's Instagram mm-hmm. to learn more about Lindsay and Sean at Lindsay Simsick on Instagram. And then we are on TikTok, Almost 30 Podcast, Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. And then we have our new baby, Morning Microdose.
1: Morning Microdose is a curation of truly like vortex moments on almost 30 that we felt were just perfect portals of inspiration, of just deepening your curiosities and maybe shifting your perspective, maybe making you feel less alone. So our idea came from the fact that we really have such sacred mornings. We really find the morning to be such an impressionable time. So if we can be the thing that you put in your ears first thing in the morning or after you've done your quiet time and meditation, we want to be that for you and just really set the tone for your day and prime you for
0: just openness, miracles, joy, and all that you deserve. Yeah. So each episode will be like five to 10 minutes and it'll be just the best of the best from almost 30 inspirational, loving, fun, compassionate, insightful. It's Mm -hmm. just like that quick hitter. So welcome to Morning Microdose World. You can subscribe
1: anywhere you listen to podcasts and make sure you follow at Morning Microdose on Instagram. Thanks y'all for listening. Enjoy this one and we'll see you on the other side. See you soon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a solo. But it's not just me. It's me and my soon to be husband, Sean. Hi, babe.
2: What up? (laughs) Hey, babe.
1: It's been two years, two years since we recorded back in 2020. We were in the studio in LA. You were living with me. You came out for three months, kind of unexpectedly, stayed. During a very potent and purposeful time. And now we're here in New York, in Brooklyn specifically, living together, engaged, and planning our nuptials. It's kind of crazy. I was thinking the other day, I'm like, how much has happened in the last two years? How many milestones? And how much growth? It's been like a super highway of growth for me and also at the same time, like the, the happiest time of my life.
2: Yeah, I think it's bananas to think about where we both were in the studio in LA. It was probably around this same time because I was getting ready to go back to New York mm-hmm. to take a new job and had all the feels between that was in the wake of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, Rayshard Brooks you name them, which forced us to have some pretty real conversations that may or may not have come up organically otherwise. And then to think about coming back to New York where we then did long distance for a little bit to then you moving to New York last year, which was funny, right? Because when you were like, yeah, I was like, babe, I'm not moving to Brooklyn. And you're like, babe I'm moving across the country and I was like all right babe I'll see you in Brooklyn <laughs> and now here we are you know a year into living together as you mentioned getting married soon I mean growth is an understatement right there's just been so much that has happened whether it's familial from a work setting from a friend setting it hasn't all been easy but it's all been good
1: overall I think it Surprised me because i haven't been in a committed long term relationship in my thirties in my thirties oh, okay. yeah that's
2: very good there's of. no
1: video to this episode, so you yeah. don't see the facial expressions, <laughs> but in my thirties, and I kind of think of my thirties as like a more conscious Lindsay in my twenties i don't feel like it was as conscious and I didn't realize the power of challenge and growth and evolution within relationship. I kind of was scared of that. And I kind of looked at growth points or challenges as like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. And maybe this relationship isn't supposed to be, but it's been a completely different experience with you where (laughs) I think sometimes, not to a fault, but to a LOL, you welcome challenge and a little bit of friction. And it's really taught me to stay. It's taught me to hold and stand confidently in my desires and convictions, knowing that no matter what, we're going to move through this as a team. And no matter what, we, you won't leave or Kind of look at me differently and I won't leave you. It's really taught me about true partnership. It's not like the rose colored glasses type of partnership. It's like true partnership.
2: So it's funny because even going back to what you said about in your 30s, it being conscious, like I would, I'm the opposite, right? I think I was very conscious in my 20s too. I just think I made bad choices (laughs) Um, or some bad choices. So I think I've been conscious throughout, but it was through Some of those bad choices or difficult situations that I think I've been able to get to where we are now. But it's also interesting to hear you saying not through rose-colored glasses, because if anything, I would challenge you to keep those rose-colored glasses on, just not have that be the expectation. And uh, I say that because so a few weekends ago or a few weeks ago, I went to see my one of my college football coaches and we have a very interesting relationship because he's like my guy. And here we are, you know, a decade plus from playing college football when he coached me. And, you know, he helped me have one of my, and I promise I'm bringing this back to our relationship, but he helped me have... I love (laughs) a football
1: analogy. (laughs) He, He
2: helped me have one of my most exciting experiences, which was... You know, starting on a football team, being part of a team that won a championship, etc. But then also one of the most emasculating, uncomfortable, in some ways, you know, anxiety-inducing experiences when I essentially got benched after one of these, you know, really high highs. And going to see him after all these years, again, I still have all the feels, but there's a respect there. There's a love there. Where even when I was speaking to his high school, his now high school team recently, he talked about self talk. And a lot of why he did that was because when he was at his previous school, he remembered saying to one of the students, You know, what does love mean? One of the students basically said, It's when you never fight with your partner, right? It's like pure bliss. And my coach basically wrote the point. He was like, You couldn't write this better. It was like a movie script because. His immediate rebuttal was, Well, you fight with your parents, right? You fight with your siblings. You fight with people you're really close to. And they were like, Of course I do. And he was like, But you still love them, right? And he was like, Of course I do. So, so much of what we learned and are socialized to believe is that love is this, you know, gentle state where you're never arguing. Everything is all good. And I push back on that. Like, I don't subscribe to that. And, you know, I, I do have a propensity to, to lean into the drama at times. <laughs> but I think that understanding of that person's not gonna leave is not a, it's not a given nor is it inherent as much as it is each time the person doesn't leave. It's showing that you both are growing deeper yeah. together. So for me, again, growing up with a, with a single mom, Even as we talk about our nuptials and getting married soon, there's that dichotomy between me growing up not knowing what a marriage looks like for better or worse, at least up close, and another quick tangent, but we were coming, we were driving to the airport a couple days ago, and my buddy was playing the Drake song Fireworks, and there's a line in there where he says, I want to witness love, I've never seen it close. And again, that's just been looping in my mind because of that dichotomy between me wanting to create something i've never seen whereas you're at the other end of the spectrum where your parents have been married for a long long time and maybe in some ways are trying to recreate something so you know we're bringing these two disparate different lenses together to form what they will be for us
1: mm-hmm. I want to talk about i want to talk about a lot of things there but the the conflict piece of i feel like I feel really proud of how we've evolved, especially, I'll just speak from my perspective, where conflict to me in the past, I would be very avoidant to conflict because I felt as though I would become really dysregulated in my body. I wouldn't be able to stand by how I really felt. I would, yeah, just kind of like leave my center completely, physically, emotionally, And it's been such a great practice for me to when we do have moments of disagreement or tension or conflict to practice staying in my center and also have the communication tools to navigate the moment and moments forward. I'd love to kind of talk about and walk people through Maybe an example because I do feel like I've talked to a lot of people in our community who don't necessarily have the communication tools or have a partner where maybe one person has the wherewithal and communication tools, but the other might not, and they might be avoidant. So, can we walk people kind of through an example?
2: My first thought, as you think of an example, was. Like, I'm the complete opposite. There are times where I run to a problem. And I think so much of that, or sorry, not even run to a problem, but maybe subconsciously creating a problem. Mm -hmm. Where growing up as a black man in America, I feel like so much of my life has been fighting. That I know how to deal with adversity sometimes better than I know how to deal with a relationship going well. And... It's a weird thing to admit or confront, but even a couple of days ago, when Brother Barnes was here, and he was giving me some, you know, unsolicited marriage advice, and he basically said, "You know, Sean, you just have to be cognizant that you don't necessarily want to bring all of your baggage into the marriage." And by baggage, he really meant, you know, my trauma from the past, or thinking that you know Lindsay's or that you, babe, are coming against me, right? Where something I would always say in previous relationships and don't know that I always lived up to it is, it's not me versus you, right? Mm-hmm. It's me and you versus the problem. And there are definitely some times as we continue to think of an example where, you know, I'll, I'll stroke the fire, I'll do something where if I took a step back, you weren't coming at me, right? You were you were either asking a question based on your upbringing or your understanding. And instead of snapping, you know, because I was, because I didn't like the way in which you said it, or you weren't understanding my perspective, I could have been better at understanding, oh, she just wasn't exposed to this, or she just didn't know, or I just think differently. And I think there are countless number of those.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, along the way and through these moments, It's like I'm building and pardon my football reference, building like a playbook in the sense like getting to know you better, getting to know myself better. So that because I feel as though with each moment or experience like this, I'm able to almost like tune in better energetically to who you are, how you're feeling maybe what's beneath the surface of a reactive moment. And I have my reactive moments too. And I think you're really good at like kind of opening me up in the moment to get to that. But instead of getting so overwhelmed emotionally by a conflict, I've been conscious enough in the moment to say like, no, this is good. This is a building block. Like It sounds cheesy, but like I really feel that way because it helps me not to leave my center. I'm like, no, this is a moment that we're meant to move through, grow through, communicate through, and really take responsibility for. And I think that's a piece that I've really learned. So a few weeks back, I came back from LA. I was working for seven days straight and just feeling a bit exhausted, but I was also just kind of, yeah, not feeling totally myself. And I came home and you had had someone like hang two beautiful pictures in our home. And you were really excited to show me and share this with me. And the first thing I said, rather than What I did really feel was, oh, these are beautiful and this is so thoughtful. But instead, the first thing I said was, they're hung too high. (laughs) And, you know, I, that was definitely a very unconscious, reactive thing where the part of me that loves to or prefers to control, especially my environment, because I am, kind of particular in design. Because of that, I completely overlooked the really kind, thoughtful gesture of hanging these pictures while I was gone. And I felt so terrible because you said to me after we were were on a walk and you're like, I feel like there's a theme tonight of you criticizing And, you know, in so many words. And in that moment, not only was it true, but it was really important for me. And this is what I want to highlight that I take responsibility, knowing deeply in my heart that that is true, not only because you're saying it and you were affected by it, but also because when I can step outside of my reactionary mode, I can recognize that was from an unconscious place, from a place of frustration that had nothing to do with you, from exhaustion that had nothing to do with you. So that's been a practice for me where it might in the moment feel like, oh, she just wants to get out of conflict and she's saying, I'm sorry. But it's more so like, yeah, I actually really hear you. And I recognize that you know, me leading with a criticism is not coming from my heart. I'm overthinking things. I'm kind of still in LA. I'm still in the stress of getting so many things done. And, you know, I'm really sorry for not showing appreciation first and foremost, because that is really what I feel.
2: Yeah, that's real. I think this actually loops back to looking at things with rosy colored glasses, because I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't take offense to your comment about it being too high. It's just that luckily I was able to catch it in the moment where what you were saying was truthful. However, from a communication standpoint, I wish you had said something else first. And this is something you've taught me, right? Going back to growth where it doesn't need to be something or something else. It can be something and something else because we have different perspectives on the world and the way in which we carry ourselves. And quite frankly, I'm 6'3 and you're 5'7. So, eight.
0: Come on. five, seven and a half. So,
2: <laughs> when you say something's too high, you're being honest, but it's not too high to me because yeah. I'm six, three. Yeah. And the nuance there is the person who hung it has hung multiple pictures in his time. Mm-hmm. And I think he may be six foot. So, yeah. it, it's not that either of us is wrong necessarily. And it's like that. It's not a meme, but I remember seeing a picture one time where it's a six and one person or a nine and one person standing on one side and one person standing on the other side and one person sees a six and the other person on the other side sees a nine they're both right but it depends on which side you're standing on to get to that point point. and so my point in saying all that was okay babe i haven't seen you in a week i was hyped to see you i also hung up a picture from our engagement party which you didn't even recognize at first and not that you needed to But I was so excited for you to recognize it. And so for the first thing out of your mouth to be, it's too high, again, to me, minimize, and which you just acknowledged, but it minimized the thought that went into it. And in a lot of ways for me, if you would have said, this is amazing. I'm so happy you hung it. I really appreciate it. And maybe too high, that would have like lessened the blow Mm -hmm. as opposed to that being the first thing that comes out of your mouth. But I think to your point, It's not like you had all those thoughts in your head going into it. You kind of just said what came to you. And, you know, we're both learning and growing through that.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I've learned to zoom out in those moments, whether like I'm reacting or you're reacting, where in like an instant now it's getting quicker and quicker. I can be like, what type of day did he have? Was it, you know, stressful? Is there a lot going on this week? How's his emotional state outside of work? Is anything going on there? Have you slept well this week? Like, kind of those pillars of clarity, health, of yeah, just feeling good. It's like one, checking in with myself on those things, but then also just taking inventory of what I know about you in that moment. Because for me, it feels better to offer my partner grace knowing that there might be some things that are affecting his mental emotional physical state and to really step up and maybe offer support offer space yeah just like an opening beyond the actual event cuz usually there's things like under
2: yeah so again i don't know how real you want to you want to get on this yeah, but but i, I think mean, yeah I think there are times where you over-index to that, where you spend so much time trying to read me that Mm -hmm. if you just ask the question, I would tell you how I'm thinking. And this goes back to our point of communication where, yeah, I think you're damn good at it. But I also think there's a way in which there are times where you see me through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's this overemphasis on not wanting to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. and my ask is, babe, just ask me because I'll tell you. And right, we, we've talked about yeah. this, but I don't necessarily like being in a guess and check scenario, right? I feel like people do that when they're dating or mm-hmm. when you're with someone, particularly as we talk about trusting that that person's not going to leave or they're not going to view you different based on something you do or say, which is easy to say, hard to have in reality. But there are times where you say like, hey, what can I do to help you right now? And I'll just say, leave me alone. And hopefully that's not like disrespectful <laughs> or rude, but like, I just need yeah. alone time. <laughs>
1: well, and it's taken me time to, it took me a beat to when you say that, I actually appreciate the honesty because sometimes the tone, the direct tone was one that would kind of like, Ooh, I'm like, Ooh, is it me? you know, but I knew it wasn't me. So it's taken just familiarity with that directness, which I appreciate and taught me so much. But to your point about not playing guess and check. So Sean and I have a couples therapist. One thing that she said that has stuck with me is, you know, if it hasn't been said out loud to each other, then it's not on the table and it's not true. And you know, I think that's so important for the audience to hear. The audience is mostly women and I will generalize. I know we're not all the same, but I will say based on what I know of my friends and, you know, community that I've met, there is this desire and hope that your partner just knows that your partner is able eventually to read your mind and anticipate things, which I think there's nuance to that. I think there can be some beauty in knowing your partner to anticipate whether it's needs or maybe there's surprises that you kind of intuit would be beautiful. But I think this point of saying it out loud to your partner has been so helpful for me. It opens up this beautiful like portal of truth. So we're not living in this limbo of, I wonder, and maybe if it's like, no, we just, we know, or we don't know. It's one or the other. I just find that to be super, super helpful. I feel like you have always been very direct in your communication. It's taking me a second, which I think we kind of balance each other out in that way. But yeah.
2: Yeah. Part of the reason I'm so direct in my communication is I think it saves time. Right. And as someone who, I think I said this on the first podcast, but really thrived on the gray area in my 20s, it was because I knew that some people wouldn't challenge me. And particularly when it came to relationships, if things aren't clearly stated and you're in like limbo, yeah, you're only setting yourself up for failure. Because this goes back to people not wanting to feel or be rejected. Where the way I see it is the faster I get rejected, the quicker I can devote that energy, time mental alacrity, you name it, to something else that may actually see me and view me the way I want to be viewed. Whereas so much I think of the way people do relationships is this notion of guess and check and the person ultimately with the upper hand and the upper hand in this case means whether they're in a more emotional state, have more financial ability, you name it. But there's a reason why certain people who don't have the quote unquote leverage don't ask that question. And whether it's because you don't want to be alone, so you'll rather stay in a relationship that may not be yeah. you know, great for you, but then that way you can feel close to someone, but you're not actually close to them, right? It's just you're better able to say to other people, I'm in a relationship. Whereas I don't really subscribe to that, right? I'd rather be alone than be with someone who I actually feel alone with, if that makes sense. This past weekend, I played a game for the first time called Mafia. I think it's also called Werewolf, and apparently you play it with kids as well it's essentially a card game where you know there are two mafia four kind of townspeople and then one doctor and the point of the game is to help discern and figure out who either the townspeople are or who the mafia is and by the end if there are more townspeople they win or if there's more mafia then quote unquote the mafia takes over the town why is that important or applicable here because this is a game we played And in the game, uh, apparently the townspeople win a lot more than they did when we played because the Mafia won every time. (laughs) But I say that because people were lying or saying something to get people to think something else. But again, that's a game. So when we take what happens in games and bring them into our real life and into relationships, you're turning your relationship into a game Mm -hmm. where... I don't want to be in a game with someone. I want to have someone who can look me in the eye and tell me honestly how they're feeling, what they think, et cetera. Not because going back to as we started, it's always going to be easy or it's always going to be fun. But I think for the same reasons why when people are in their teenage years or in their 20s and they like the volatility, right? They're like, oh, I want to be the one to change this person. This person's great, but they've been the bad boy or the bad girl and I'm going to get them is for the same reasons why when you get older, you want stability, right? You want credibility. You want someone you can trust. You want someone who you know is going to be there. And that doesn't come without communication because you're just going to start assuming things and assume that person's going to be there. And then when the rug gets pulled out underneath you, if it wasn't you who was asking the questions, then at some point, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, whoa, what could I have done differently to have a different outcome? Now, if that person blatantly lies to you, that's not on you that that sucks, and it's going to be really uncomfortable and you have to pick up the pieces, but for all intents and purposes, you know my there was a mentor of mine who would say in the past like no one cares about your career more than you do mm. and so if you take that and apply that to your relationship, no one cares about your relationship more than you do, and hopefully you're in a relationship where the other person cares as much or more than you do, so you're both pouring into one another, but that's just something that I wouldn't leave to chance or i wouldn't leave to guessing or hoping right like yeah hope isn't a strategy
1: yes i want to talk about our milestones that we've reached or have navigated since the last time we recorded and just anything that you feel and i'll include them so moving in together getting our own place moving in together getting engaged planning a wedding, any others. I feel like we have personal milestones that we've navigated together. International trips together. International trips together. Yeah, I would love to pick apart some of these because I know a lot of people are either working towards these milestones, in the middle of them, just thinking about them. What has been your high-level either learnings, surprises?
2: Surprises, I think goes back to one of my favorite steve jobs quotes that he delivered at a stanford commencement speech where he essentially says you can only connect the dots looking backwards and so as you and i tell many of these stories it sounds very coherent and linear whereas when we were going through them it clearly wasn't Mm -hmm. and so the first example or one example that comes to mind was I don't think it was our first international trip, but it was one of the larger ones. But in August of last year, we went to Sicily for a wedding, mm-hmm. and that trip wasn't that fun. The wedding itself was fun, and like looking back, it was an, an incredible experience for the both of us. Yeah. But as we were going through it, whether it was the, you know, mistaken luggage incident or the fact that I had just put the down payment on the engagement ring. And so I was super anal about everything, kind of forcing some conversations because I was thinking to myself, oh man, like this is real now, right? Like this is gonna happen. So I wanna make sure that we've talked about a couple of these things prior to getting engaged. And so when you juxtaposed last August's trip to Italy with this July's trip to Italy, I think they were night and day. And the fact that in both cases, we were meeting a lot of new people, but the growth in not only ourselves, but our collective relationship, in addition to obviously by this point, uh, or this July, I should say, we were already engaged. Like There was just so much more, I don't know the word, there's so much more confidence Mm -hmm. in ourselves and our relationship and where we were and not needing to be by each other's side every minute and being able to engage with new people and not have to have your partner by your side like i just think there's so much there where international travel can be tough right and, and that's everything from the flight to the luggage to the travel to i had the nut incident right they there's so many things i think one was at least in my eyes so much more secure i think is the right word as as it pertains to us two in terms of the trips than the other
1: yeah international travel, I feel like, is such a <laughs> I don't want to say a test, but i I do recommend people taking a big trip like that. you know, outside of the country, there's logistics that I think it's an important thing to be with your significant other partner navigating a different place travel stresses but also like the joy of exploring a new place and having a new experience together i think it's very formative your point about feeling more secure is is aptly said i feel that first trip was so interesting to me it brought out a side of me that is part of me and i hadn't really had a conversation with her where I'm like, I had kind of stuffed her down so far that when she came up during that trip, I was like, who am I? Like, what the fuck is this? But then when I really sat with it and like reckoned with that part that was trying to show itself, there was that part that felt very unheard. And I think that I've learned from getting to know that part that like, I can express to you my desires for... Closeness, I can express to you my anxieties in certain situations and be really clear. Because I think what was happening was that I was not communicating clearly about how I felt. You were picking up on it because you're incredibly intuitive and psychic. And there was just kind of this mismatch to how I normally am in social situations and to what was happening. So it just taught me a lot about communicating how I'm feeling because I realized I had a lot of shame about how I was feeling and I didn't want it to affect your experience. And then this most recent trip in Italy, I feel like was powerful for a few reasons. One, I feel like we approached this trip, which was kind of last minute, you know, in the grand scheme of things with, or as a team, you know, I really felt like the teamwork happening on this trip, whether it was booking flights, planning hotels or Airbnbs, different activities, or laying out time to really just chill and read and and be and i yeah i just loved i loved the flow and i think you know for me it speaks to the high level just pride i have in the fact that we are a team like i really feel as though in every aspect of life though we are incredibly independent people we work together Most of the time, as a team, and if we don't at any point, I feel like we feel it, and we kind of—it's a moment of of working through and growing through that. Because, yeah, it's just really powerful to me. I've never been in a partnership like this where I feel so supported and so connected.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think a couple caveats. So, I too would suggest going on an international trip with a significant other if you can afford it. I would suggest you getting a couples therapist if you can afford it. I remember a time where my mentor had said to me, you know, you can't simulate adversity. And that's always resonated with me because it's so true. And going on an international trip or a long car ride, or a lot of these things are places where, you know, you can learn a lot about someone else without having to as we've talked about like straight up asking a question and going back to your earlier point of like providing an example i definitely think there were times where looking back i was like either tried to catch you in something or exacerbated something that wasn't that big to prove a point and i say that because one example being so when we went to sicily last year when we had left the whatever Hudson news store and we're working when we're walking through the airport and you had someone else's luggage. And I just remember I, I was a couple of paces ahead of you because I'm very anal about travel and I turn around and you have someone else's luggage. We made eye contact. I didn't say anything, but there was like that, you know, that light bulb moment for you where you sat there and were are like, Oh my goodness, like shit, this isn't my luggage. And so you ran it back. And I don't remember if we had a conversation in the Delta lounge or when we got to, Italy, but it was one of those things where the point I was trying to make, and there are times where I feel like I need to, but knowing that when we have mixed children, what was a simple mistake by you may not be viewed the same because if our, as the world views in black, uh, daughter or son had mistakenly taken someone else's luggage, I don't know if the consequences of them just being like, oh no, you know, pretty blonde woman took the luggage back is going to be the same way that the world views our kids. And again, it wasn't a knock to you as much as it was trying to show you the reality of what is to come. And looking back, like maybe there was another way for me to either have that conversation or we, we have them now, right? In, in a different In a different way. And obviously when we did the first podcast, we talked about the incident where like choosing to go to the hospital versus not, but there's just so much to that where you know the the reality of our relationship is we are very fortunate and we are very blessed to not only have the love, means, respect we have and live in a place that for all intents and purposes we don't deal with too much or at least we haven't experienced too much overt racism right now or yet but it's a scary thought think about when we bring kids in the world and we're not with them all the time and how the world's going to view them or what people are going to say to them but i do think it's in establishing this really strong foundation for us where if and when those times come you know we can't always control everything but hopefully we have the vernacular to not only speak to it amongst ourselves but be able to equip our kids with a way of saying you shouldn't have shame around looking differently or making mistakes or wanting to come to us and say, Hey, you know, mom and dad, this happened. How should I think about that? But I do think to, to your point, babe, like just having these very open and in some cases, uncomfortable conversations now are what's going to lead us to have not necessarily easier ones, but more comfortable ones in the future.
1: Yeah. Because in those moments of really understanding why you're experiencing this particular example of me grabbing someone else's luggage completely differently than I'm experiencing it. In that moment of realization, I like am flooded with shame, flooded with feeling so bad. And also that former people pleaser in me or There's always going to be a little bit of it in me, you know, feeling like I let you down, like I'm bad. And I've really had to like posture myself in those moments and be like, again, this is a moment where I'm learning more about myself and I'm learning more about Sean and also the life that we're creating and what will really support both of us and our future kids in being aware of. I think we can so easily be taken down by our shame. And I'm speaking to everyone listening, especially in relationship. This is like mirrors all the time. And if you turn away from or just kind of lose that confident posture, because of the heaviness of the shame, it's not very productive. You know, it can really take you over and keep you in your own loop of I'm bad or wow, I, you know, this feels so bad. So yeah, like I hurt someone, how can I ever recover from that? And it's taken a lot of awareness for me to in those moments be like, okay, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. And sometimes I feel a little stupid and silly, but at the same time, I know and feel that you're like loving me through this moment. And I think we both, this has happened vice versa, where I can't think of a specific example. My memory is not as good as yours, but maybe you can think of one. But where I've brought to your awareness, you know, something that you've said or done where I'm like, oh, this makes me feel this way. And, you know, and I just feel as though we're constantly or consistently really doing that for one another and also allowing each other to be who the other is without trying to like constantly teach or show the other so that we're individually more comfortable. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. An example is like with your dad, right? And we don't need to go super into the weeds, but obviously we have very different, a very different relationship in terms of you grew up with your dad, I'm now hopefully going to be your husband and we're both men. So the way in which we interact is not necessarily the way you two interact. So whether it's you know language I use or the directness with which I would have a conversation with some other people, you knowing him so well or knowing how your family operates, you've let me know that like, probably don't say this or don't bring this up. And, and that's super helpful, right? Because for me, that's not how I would normally approach things but what's normal to me may not be normal to you and i think to your point this is all about the work that we're willing to do and that we will consistently have to do because i I don't know and even in talking to my friends i think people just have this notion of oh i want to get into a relationship and you know after a certain time you hit this kind of homeostasis and it's all good like no like this shit is constant work but in a good way right it's not It's not this notion of now we just hit steady state and everything is Chris. It's no, the steady state is, oh, I trust this person's going to be there, right? There's no longer, and I keep coming back to it, there's no longer this guess and check of, oh, if I feel shame or insecurity or silly at times, this person's going to leave. It's like, no, it's those moments of true vulnerability where you realize, yo, this person really rocks with me. I've felt that in a more, you know, acute way than ever just given some of the work stuff that's happened over the last, you know, six to eight months where whether it was the imposter syndrome, the insecurity, the gaslighting or stuff happening to me where having those conversations with you and you saying to me like, babe, I don't think that's what this person meant. Or I don't think that this went down that way, whether or not I agreed with you. It was nice to know that you know, there was another perspective that was being shown that allowed me time to grapple with it. So as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't just me versus whatever was going on at work. It was like, okay, babe, am I thinking about this correctly? And I think I doubled down on the the point of therapy where I don't feel like I'm just unloading on you now as I would in the past because having a, you know, executive coach and a therapist has really been beneficial to my overall kind of mental health.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to touch on that because I think it's so important. Obviously, there are free and not free resources, but I think it's been incredibly important that both of us individually and as a couple have a source of support, are well-resourced. And I feel like we really that's been a focus of investment for us. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about it? And I'm asking you because I feel like I talk about this a bit, but I think for the masculine or the male in particular, it might not be the the first effort that they would make in order to better support themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually. So can you talk about like the how that's really changed the game for you in relationship?
2: The easiest way to state it is LeBron James. So for all of you who don't know who LeBron James is, he's arguably the best basketball player of our generation. And I think the stat I read is he spends a million dollars a year on his body. And for a lot of people, they'd say, he's crazy, why would he ever spend that much money on his body? But there's a reason that You know, he's been in the league for almost 20 years and there's a reason why, whether it's Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, a lot of the other players in his generation, he's been able to last longer. And whether it's just pure blessings from the Lord, um, not ever having like a very significant injury, but I think a lot of that plays into the amount of money and time he spends on his body to make sure that he is able to perform on a day in day out basis. Why is that important? How is that applicable to what we're talking about? So I have a therapist, I have two executive coaches, and we have our relationship therapist in addition to countless mentors and sponsors that I have. And are they expensive? Yes, without question. And I've gotten to a point where I'm comfortable spending the amount of money I do on this because the only way for me to remain in tip-top form or to be able to perform in a way in which I do is to have other people who, going back to your point, are holding a mirror up to me in a way that's holding me accountable. And that's not only in this relationship as it pertains to our relationship therapist, but also having, you know, executive coaches who help me understand kind of my limitations, my blind spots, or who have been in the business longer than I have been to help me understand that, okay, Sean, you're being way too self-righteous in this regard. Or, you know, I think this person's gaslighting you. Or there's a really good opportunity and how do I juxtapose them, you know, uh, against one another or next to one another. Yeah. And I think it's just super important because particularly in the, you know, black male community, it's often seen as a sign of weakness or seen as feminine to have a therapist. And I completely, you know, do not ascribe to that. And again, every person is different and I'm not trying to espouse my beliefs on anyone else in, in a way of saying you must do this. But if this is like a way to galvanize folk to just consider it, I would because I think therapy is amazing and it doesn't always need to have this negative stigma of you're weak for doing this, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think I'm strong for doing it. I think it makes me stronger and I think it allows me to get out of my own way in a way where I'm able to step up and be better, you know, a better partner to you because it's not me just living in my head or going back to my boys who are biased and going to tell me, no, like you should do this or you should do that. It's a way in which, and I mean, uh, I'd, I'd like to think objective, but you're paying the, you're paying the burden. <laughs> so a, a third party is able to kind of check you on things. And I think a lot of this goes back to accountability Yeah, and, at the end of the day most people don't like to be held accountable and we tend to be you know lawyers of our own misgivings or missteps and judges of other people's and i think if we could kind of challenge that i think we'd all be be better for it
1: i love that it's been an important investment for me over the years but i've seen the benefits and the gifts of it the fruits of the labor in our relationship the most, you know, having a therapist, having a coach, having a spiritual uh, mentor guide. Yeah. In little and big moments, it's just been so apparent to me that the investment, the time and money investment in that is so worth it. And, you know, thinking about having kids eventually, it's like, wow, I, I can already feel the importance of that type of support as we become parents and granted our lives are going to you know get exponentially more busy or just really really different with the addition of a child but you know i don't think we would be good parents and be good partners to one another if we didn't have that type of support okay so we're prepping for a wedding you mentioned before that you don't have an experience of seeing two married people in your upbringing. I do. And I don't think that either one is better or worse. It's just very individual and specific. But how are you feeling walking into this pretty big transition milestone with the love of your life?
2: (laughs) I feel good. You're bad. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. Um,
1: translate translate, bad for the people.
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. For those of you that don't speak Ebonics, I think uh, I think Lindsay is one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life, inside and out, which in Ebonics equates to bad with multiple A's. So B, multiple A's, D. Um, <clears throat> but no, I think I'm really excited. I'm really anxious. I'm really nervous. I'm really. Happy. I'm really hyped. I'm literally all of the feels. And again, I remember at dinner uh, a couple of weeks back, I was with a buddy, his girlfriend, and then another buddy. And I don't remember the question she asked. And maybe it was something similar to what you just did. And she's like, Well, Sean, why'd you hesitate? And, you know, if I was going to marry someone and they hesitated with how they were feeling about the marriage, like that would be a cause for concern. And I, I just started smiling because, again, it's like these these things that we have in our head about what it's supposed to look like or how it's supposed to feel versus how it actually feels can be, you know, miles away. And to your point about the marriages, babe, like not that one is better or worse, but if you're going to judge your man's response based on how quick he responded and have that be the barometer as to how excited he is, I think you're setting yourself up for failure Mm -hmm. because then it's going to be easy to listen to words and not really listen or believe the person's actions. And I say that because again, I don't know what this looks like. And so to sit here and say, I got this in the bag or it's all good. It's all going to be blissful. I think I'd be setting myself up for failure. I know that I'm entering this with someone who I feel is the most dynamic person I've ever been with and someone who I truly believe loves me and supports me and someone who I respect and adore and can't wait to continue to do this thing called life with, but we're basing that on what we know of each other, right? Like we we don't know what kind of parents we're going to be. I'd like to sit here and believe that we're going to be great parents. I, I don't know what's going to happen when one of us inevitably be, gets sick. And it's not to say, you know, I'm expecting that or that's going to happen months from now. But what I am saying is that's why I'm happy that we have an open line of communication or all these other resources to help us because at the end of the day, and this may come off like bad, but I'm more focused on like being married to you than I am on like the marriage itself or or the wedding day itself, right? Like that tends to be a spectacle, which I can't wait to have all of our loved ones in the same room and dance and have reggae going all night. Like it's going to be amazing. But I am a lot more focused on how can I be the best husband I can be, the best partner I can be, the best father I can be, and I think to your point from earlier, that comes from day in, day out, right? Not just saying the right buzzwords or not just posting the right things on Instagram, but what are we doing when no one's listening, when no one's watching, when it's just me and you and the doors are locked and you know we're coming home from long days at work or dealing with things we didn't want to deal with. How we show up in those moments, I think will, over the course of time, determine my feelings as to this whole thing. But right now I I currently have all the feels.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's been such a beautiful process for me to be in this season of our lives. I think I, and I'll just assume that many people, when you are planning for something like a wedding marriage or maybe anticipating having a child or maybe anticipating a move where we're We live so far in the future of that moment that we're not really recognizing the purpose and intention of such an event. And I'm really candidly proud of myself for really enjoying myself along the way and like celebrating the fact that I'm going to marry my favorite person ever, my best friend, my true partner and everything else is just details. And I love a detail, but you know, I've kept that at the forefront of our planning. I'll leave out the wedding deets or going in deep there, but it's been such a powerful practice for me to be like, I get to, I get to own the season of our lives, of my life, where I'm so, so deeply blessed and happy and i don't have to anticipate the worst case scenario i don't have to look for the drama or what could go wrong like i really can be here and now and really enjoy it and not wait for the other shoe to drop and i i really i needed that i needed that opportunity to step into i've been kind of feeling like for those that are a fan of pulling cards and tarot just like that empress energy even that high priestess energy of just like being able to own your magic, own your power and own where you are right now and not need to apologize for it, not need to rush through it, not need to sabotage it. So all in all, like I've really I've been very 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 excited from the beginning and we're not taking a super long time to plan this wedding, which I think is also pretty powerful in a process like this and last thing I'll say about the anticipating a wedding and a marriage is that a lot of people will have an opinion. A lot of people will project onto your experience and not only people, but society will, you'll kind of feel that energy of, oh my God, planning a wedding must be so stressful and so hard. And I think a lot of people take that on as their truth. And I was very intentional in the beginning. And I just said this to myself, I was like, I am going to have a really good time planning this. And I'm not going to stress over anything that's not working or a sticking point. Like I want this to feel like flow and it has. Like I think the intention was was powerful enough to kind of create that experience. So I think we can be, you know, just overall more mindful of what certain milestones that we anticipate the societal energetics that are attached and being able to discern for ourselves what is actually my experience and how do I want to experience this rather than what people expect it to be like.
2: Yeah, facts. I think as you were speaking, one of the first things that came to my mind was the Drake song, own it and just (laughs) own it, own it, own it. But I'd also say in the spirit of giving people their roses while they can still smell them, you know, we're not at our wedding date yet, but I think you've been an absolute gem to work with, (laughs) right? Like, I mean that sincerely where you've given me enough independence to loop me in when you needed me to do things. And we've had our, you know, disagreements about certain things, but I think for all intent and purposes, people have been enamored by the invitations and the detail-oriented nature that you've done things with and the way in which you set it up because, to be candid right like w- we pretty much cobble this together rather quickly and it isn't what i think a lot of people would think a wedding of this stature or of people like us would have it be done but i think that's what makes us us we kind of do things our our own way
1: mm-hmm. um, so we had some questions from people because i put out the bat signal that we might be recording an episode Okay. How do you allow each other the space and freedom to continue evolving as individuals?
2: I think that's always been us, right? And I don't I don't say that to avoid the question. I say that because I'm a subscriber of one plus one equals three. So if you are not your whole self and I'm not my whole self, then we're not making three. And I think it's very important for two people who very much value their alone time to continue to have that alone time because at the end of the day i think people tend to over optimize for perfection and whether that's i want to go on the perfect date i want to have the most amazing time on this vacation i want to do this perfectly there's nothing wrong with that but when i think about some of the most fun we've had together it isn't on those like that that perfect date night. It's Mm -hmm. on the random walk that we went on where we had an amazing conversation that we didn't plan for. Mm -hmm. We did something, but it wasn't like we were trying to control the experience. And so I say that because by having that independent alone time, it makes me pour into more the time that we're together or the time that we're doing things. And by pouring more, doesn't mean we're doing more necessarily. But by having, for example, last night, By having time for me to go to the gym, to work out, to get a massage, I felt so much calmer that when we're laying on the couch to watch Lincoln Lawyer, I was happy watching three episodes, right? But that was like our time together. Whereas in the past, it would have been like, oh, babe, we can only watch one because I got to bang out some work. I got to go do this. I have to do all these other things. Mm -hmm. But there's a way in which I think having alone time actually fortifies, you know, the overall relationship.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I had a little bit of anxiety in the beginning of our relationship where I to your point put so many so much expectation on our time together. We were long distance, so I'll say that. But I think what I've realized especially recently, this idea of separation and then reunion has been so powerful for us where you know, whether it's you traveling, you've been traveling quite a bit. I'm usually the one traveling for work, but you've been traveling quite a bit. Um, work and play. And it's been, candidly, like, very a very cool flow to, one, see you doing things that you're looking forward to, excited about me, staying home, doing my thing because I'm a little bit of a homebody right now. And then coming together, being able to share experiences that we experienced separately, kind of infusing a little bit of new and fun into the relationship. But also having that polarity of like not having seen each other in a little bit and just kind of seeing each other with new eyes because we've had that alone time. So, you know, shout out to anyone who's like anxious attached (laughs) in a way or at times, because I've definitely felt that. But man, I feel like our connection strengthens when we do allow ourselves, whether it's here alone time at home or traveling. I just feel like it's, yeah, just helped. So much, I think, appreciate from afar, reflect. I really, I really appreciate it. Okay, next question, my love. How do you suggest, and this is a woman asking this question, how do you suggest holding space when your man struggles to open up?
2: This is a brilliant question. And it's something I spoke about with a bunch of my male buddies uh, this past weekend. Because at the end of the day, I think it's a choice and the choice is, is your man not opening up something you can live with in perpetuity? Is it something that you can live with for a period of time or is it something that you can't live with? Because I think it's unfair to not ask him to open up and then hold it against him when he doesn't open up. So if you voiced it, And you can say, you know, hey, babe, I I would really love to start having more intimate conversations or when stuff's going wrong. Like, I'd love for you to open up. And it's something that he says he's going to work on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, when you ask him, he'll work on it for a month. And then if three months or six months down the line, he reverts to previous behavior, the choice is yours, right? Like, either you can say, I'm out. I'm gonna to continue to double down because I really wanted to work with this person and we go, you know, forward into this thing, or it's something that you can live with and you got a bottle. But I think the notion of holding space is really about how deep of a well you have as an individual, because it's gonna be different for everyone. Where for for example, us, babe, if you were someone who, you know, consistently didn't open up to me or didn't tell me your feelings or Hid things from me. Like, I don't know that we begin married because so often people are.
1: Okay, small daily actions. (sighs) they just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. (laughs) So one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, And I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger, or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation, or maybe read part of the book that you're loving. Uh, or maybe you integrate a healthy habit, like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, and I've noticed a difference when I don't shipping to your door, to when you put it in your body, all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, and this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics in the microbiome. They are the best in the space. And um, So I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25almost. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code ALMOST30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code ALMOST30 for 20% off site-wide.
2: Buying into someone's potential, where again, the only way to reach the potential is to pour into it. And so if that person isn't trying or acclimating or wanting to do it, like you can't change people. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it it goes back to communication and being open because if you can't even voice it or if you voice it and the person is consistently not changing their behavior, then two things, right? One is the Maya Angelou quote. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And it's not to say don't give people a second chance, etc. I, I interpret that to mean... If someone is consistently showing you something and you're choosing to believe something else, then again, that's a choice. But then the second thing is also, if you're in a fight with someone else and they don't know, you're in a fight with yourself. Mm. And so that whole notion of like, you may think that you're holding space, but if you haven't vocalized it for fear of rejection, her well, again, I don't know everyone's personal situation, but if you don't feel heard and you're not feeling heard is metastasizing as you holding this space for that person to hopefully change. I also think you're hurting yourself.
1: Yeah, completely. I think your point about, you know, your ability to hold space for someone is reflective of how deep you're able or willing to go with yourself and I think that's something important for both parties to realize because you know, in this case, perhaps your partner hasn't really taken the time to understand himself on a deeper level. And that's no knock to him, but perhaps there's an opportunity for a conversation around, like, what does therapy look like or what does support look like? Because you can't be everything for your partner, right? He might feel like what he's experiencing emotionally is too much to unload on you. And so, While I don't think that's necessarily true in this case, as far as like you not being able to hold what he's experiencing, I do feel as though to seek outside help is so powerful. And, you know, the earlier conversation around therapy, I think will be helpful maybe for him to hear because, man, it feels good. It feels good to like really rip with a therapist and get to know parts of you that might be running the show without you even knowing. And also it feels so good. To open up to your partner, who you know, hopefully you trust. Um, nothing feels nothing feels better. Nothing feels more safe and exhilarating to be connected to someone in that way. And I had to check myself with my vulnerability because I feel like a part of my job is vulnerability. But I was like, wait, am I am I really that vulnerable in my real life? And I think I am. And I also think there are moments where I'm not, and I'm kind of fooling myself. And I think it's been really good for us and for me in our relationship to get real about that. You know, am I really expressing how I feel in this moment or am I censoring myself because I'm afraid that my emotions are too big or too weird or whatever? It's been a a really cool experience to just kind of unravel at times with you and be very vulnerable about what I'm feeling, even if it's still in process. And have you witnessed me? I think that in itself is like very, very healing. Last question. We'll just do three. When will you know that you're both ready for kids?
2: Never. (laughs) I don't know how to answer this question. I ask Lindsay every day if she's ready to start trying. But to to be clear, like, I don't know that I'm ready, right? Like, I think I'm ready. I think financially we're ready. I think we're both healthy. But the amount of my friends who have kids now and it's just all over the spectrum in terms of like, what does it mean to raise a child? How does it look? Like there's just so many things there where I think some people try to have kids for the wrong reasons, right? Because they think that it's going to make them closer. Mm-hmm. Whereas again, we don't have kids, but my argument is you're going to be forced to be closer, or have some semblance of relationship when you have a kid, but I don't know if that's the best You know, environment for the child to be in versus having what you think is some semblance of a strong relationship and strong looks different to different people, but a strong understanding of you both together and then bring in the child to the extent you can have one and you're blessed enough to have one. But it's a good question. It's just a very difficult one to answer because everyone's financial, socioeconomic, emotional situation is different. But I think this does too harp back to that notion of communication where shit may go sideways when you have a kid, right? Or when you're trying to have a kid, like there's just so many things that go into it that I think I'm ready and wanting and yearning to have a child with you because I want to build our family. But I don't know that I quote unquote feel ready. And as much as I, you know, make fun of you about reading the books and wanting to do everything you can to prepare, I actually think it's a really good thing. But going back to my comment about playing sports in college, like, I played quarterback in high school and I was reading all these different type of books as to how to play receiver. What does that look like? What routes do you run? How do you break appropriately? How do you read defenses? And then I got on the field for the first time and got popped in the face. And it's like, whoa, this is nothing like what I read in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're reading in a book, you're still overlaying your own perspective, your own insight and things that you haven't yet done. Whereas when you're actually in it and going through it and whether that's talking about it or actually trying or then having the child, like, I think shit's going to look very different, but I just think it does start with at least your willingness to be open about having that conversation and what you think it's going to look like.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't I don't know if either of us will be 100% ready, and I think that's an important thing to note about perhaps your preferences for things. I definitely have a tendency where I feel really good going into the unknown with a little bit of, you know, understanding about all different experiences, all different scenarios. But again, to your point, it doesn't really prepare me for our specific experience and the unknown in front of us. But it's been important for us to have those conversations around, and I think we'll continue to have them as we get closer and even during the pregnancy where it's talking through scenarios. Because I think a lot of unknown can come up during pregnancy, during having a child that you kind of meet it and you can't prepare for all of them, but you meet these moments and all of a sudden you realize that you and your partner are not on the same page or would do things differently. Not that that's the demise of your relationship, but I do think that you can continue to work as a team more effectively. If you have some of those conversations, you know, and again, you won't cover them all and you can expect the unknown to pop up, but I really feel ready in my heart. I think logistically, again, can't prepare totally, but I really feel ready in my heart and I'm so excited to be a mom and I feel like it is a part of my purpose I feel like we all have many purposes here while we're here and it's definitely one of the big ones for me and I'm I'm excited and I also just like with the wedding I want to be mindful of the societal and individual projections onto what having a child means. You know, I've already kind of felt the sense of like, well, you know, you can't work full time and have a kid or you wow, you're going to become a full-time mom or, you know, just kind of all of these different little buzzy buzzy thoughts and stories that people have. And I think just like with the wedding, for us, it'll be important to define parenthood in our own way. And I think we can, as you say, build our own mosaic on what that looks like based on people's experiences and advice, but then also our own intuition, which I feel like is so strong and important so yeah, that's my that's my feeling.
2: Own it. Own it. Own it. Own it. it. Right. Own it. <laughs> right. Love you.
1: I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks for your questions. And uh this might be the last one we do. Who knows? You know what I mean? No, I think it it's the last la- one.
2: Oh last really? One. Yeah, it won't be the
1: last one. Oh, so the next one will be when we have a child? Uh,
2: listen, I, I'm not gonna say when it's going to be. I just <laughs> I just don't think this will be the last one. I'm just throwing that out there. I love you. Love you.
0: Thank you so much, Lindsay. Again, that was Lindsay and Sean, her new now husband. Husband. We have a lot of relationship episodes on the Mm -hmm. pod. If you just want to search relationships, love, you can. You can also go to almost30.com. And in our blog, we have really beautiful blog posts, more about relationships, more about how to have successful conscious relationships. We're just here to support you and however that manifests for you. Truly. All right, y'all enjoy your day. We will see you on the
1: next one. We come out with two episodes a week. Make sure to subscribe to both Almost 30 and The Morning Microdose, our new podcast. And we will see you soon.
0: We'll see you soon. Bye.